1: I'm Deontay
0: Burton, and I'm down to dunk. I'm Hamadou Diallo. Hey, I'm Danilo Gallinari. I'm Chris Paul, and I'm down to dunk. I'm Luke Dort, and I'm down to Dort.
2: What's Dort? I, I'm not gonna lie. I don't know what that was. In English, bro. I'm
3: Darius Basley, and I'm down to dunk. I'm Shake Gildas Alexander. I'm Steven Adams. I'm Andre Robertson, and I'm
2: down to dunk. Yeah, On you.
3: Welcome to Down to Dunk. I'm your host, Andrew Schleck. We're part of the Athletic Podcast Network. Ooh boy, we got a juicy pod for today, guys. I've got Alex Spears and Michele Berra on the line here. We're also live on YouTube and on Periscope. Uh, be sure to leave any comments if you guys have them or questions, and we'll, we'll try to get to those. The Thunder hired a coach. They actually did it. They made it happen. Mark Degnault is the new head coach of the Oklahoma City Thunder. If you've been listening to our pod, you knew it last week. You already knew it last week. He was, <laughs> was going to be the man anyways. Uh, we also have Chris Paul to the Suns rumors. We've got the Houston Rockets imploding before our very eyes. Uh, this is just great. This is just wonderful. Michaela, your your thoughts on the Degnault hire first.
0: Well, it's, it's interesting. I mean, we... We don't know anything about the coaching philosophy, nor the uh, the way in which he will relate to players or the way he will develop them. Um, but there are some things that I like about hiring a guy that has been an, a coach of a senior team. And that has a good track in terms of well, what you hear uh, about development. Um, so I think that OKC will need both in the next few years. And even if we cannot like know anything about the, um, if we will take like many trees or if we will prioritize defense offense, we don't really know that. Um, But I also like that, the the fact that we will do some discovery uh, in the next few months. So, so yeah, I mean, I think it makes sense.
2: Yeah, I thought, uh, Andrew, I thought your question was probably like, the best question that was asked at the press conference, because you're the only person who ventured to ask him what his offensive philosophy was. And it wasn't like his answer was that illuminating, but it is something yeah. that I wanted to know. And he did basically say pace and space just with a lot more words. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and that was his main focus, but he did bring up analytics. He did say yep. that word. So mm-hmm. That's something. So yeah, I, yep. I, I, I think he did a great job at the press conference.
3: Yeah, he's very, very nice guy. It's car. It's hard to know like what to ask, because mm-hmm. there are there are things that you'd want to ask him that you know that he won't answer, and so you have to think about like what are the answerable questions that you can ask him, because you can't just ask him anything. Uh, and it's hard to know like, I, hey, we've never seen you as the head coach of an NBA team. What do you do? You know, <laughs> it's, it's, you're trying to ask a question like that. Uh, And it's still it's hard to know because I mean, Billy, I mean, Billy Donovan would write pace and space and stuff like that on the whiteboard in the Thunder locker room every (laughs) single year he was there, you know, Mm -hmm. and still like you just have guys pounding the ball and it's just you can have an offensive philosophy, but it is so dependent on who your players are and really who your best players are. And so perhaps you will see more of pace and space with really they don't have they don't have a superstar, especially if like the Suns or Knicks or whoever actually trade for Chris. I would say that maybe you actually have a chance of forming that kind of offense like pace and space and he can tell them what to do and tell them how to do it. And they'll probably go do it. Even Shea will probably go do it. So we may actually have a better idea of what kind of coach he is than we really ever had an idea of what Billy Donovan was as a coach because Billy, every single year, was so dictated by the stars that he had and what they were doing probably this last year, maybe less so. But um, I think we may be able to actually see what kind of coach he is with this this young group that we are probably going to be seeing uh, come December 22nd.
0: Yeah, about that. I mean, isn't it a trait of a great coach to try to maximize the player you have and and therefore, like, changing a bit uh, what you do on the court in order to maximize their value. I mean, mm-hmm. if you look at um, the way in which the Spurs were playing uh, the last few years compared to, um, like, the previous version, like with uh, with Kawhi and without Lamarck-Soldridge, they clearly take way more mid-range shots than what is, like, the tendency in the league or what yep. was their prior way to play basketball but i think that one thing that billy did and was to try to maximize westbrook in uh, in a way that russ would would try to implement on the court because um, it's tricky to find the balance between what you can ask to your star player and, and what you cannot ask like you can try to ask harden to move or you can try to maximize like basketball uh, using the fact that he's one of the greatest isolations players of the last 20 years, at least. So I- I'm curious. Like I-, I like the idea of pace and space. And with guys like Bazley and Shea and, to a certain degree, also Ludor, who is a great cutter when he wants to be, and Steven Adams, who can be a very good passer, especially if you put him in certain positions uh, and a good screener, I would love to see some movement Uh, and I think that uh, with the idea of pace and space trying to find guys that can move off the off screens and trying to create movement with their gravity is something that OKC really never had because they had a lot of ball dominant players and so maybe this is the year where some way OKC can get a player that is able to, um, to unlock certain stuff that weren't there in the past for, for various reasons, because even last year, the movement, the real movement was not really there. There was a, a lot of passing, a lot of uh, pick and rolls and, and schemes as the top of the key, but there was no guy like running around screen and, and be targeted uh, by Chris Paul or, or others. It was a different kind of passing and, and movement.
3: Yeah, I, I th- it's, it's really just a waiting game with, with Mark, right? Like we're just waiting to see, like what kind of coach that he what, that he's gonna be, and um, I'm excited to see it. I'm excited to see what they'll what they'll do, um, with the roster. I really think that that's gonna really determine so much of all of this. Yeah, is is what they do with the roster. What do they do with Dennis Schroeder? Which did you guys see? The, I think I sent it to you guys. Did you say, see Dennis Schroeder uh, fake painting on his Instagram today?
0: I saw that you sent a video, but my day has been crazy, and I didn't have time to look at. Is it? Is that yeah. funny?
2: This I also saw the video. I Should also saw I the watch video it? And had uh, I had more time than Mikey, and still didn't click on it? You got to click on it. It's just him rubbing a paintbrush on on a door frame. He's just <laughs>
3: rubbing it. I don't understand it. Anyways, I don't know if he'll be doing that in OKC or somewhere else. But I, I think the way this roster shapes up will determine a lot. And I also just think you hire a 35 year old to come take over your multi, like multi billion dollar company. Mm-hmm. You're probably looking to cut some costs, number one, and you're trying to, like you said, like this is a discovery period, and it's going to last years with Mark Dignall. with who he is, with how he can develop the, the Thunder have chosen him to be the guy that is going to be here for a while. And they're going to invest in him and they're going to see how he develops as a coach and as a leader. And I think that we're going to have, I mean, this is a really, it's interesting because it's a discovery period for players, for the coaching staff, and even for Sam in a way, because Sam, has not really done what he's about to do. He kind of did, but he got the accelerated version of this because the first player that he got in his last rebuild was Kevin Durant. They, they don't, they don't have a Kevin Durant to start this rebuild, and so this is
0: whoa, 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 whoa. You don't know that. Maybe I don't know. Um, maybe Jaden McDaniels will be Kevin Durant. Are you saying yeah. that you cannot draft Kevin Durant at twenty-five? That's exactly
3: what I'm saying. I've, yeah, that's probably true. <laughs> Oh, it's crazy. Uh, anything else on Mark Degnall He is the first coach. I think I mentioned this. Or maybe I didn't. I've said I've done three different shows already today. I don't know what I've said on this and haven't. But he is the first coach to go from the organization's G League head coach to the organization's head coach of the NBA team. That's, he's the very first guy to do it. A lot of people said, I think it's Nick Nurse. It's not Nick Nurse. Nick Nurse was the coach of the Rio Grande Valley Vipers and then moved to the to the Raptors. So it's, he's the very first guy to do it. It's pretty cool. It's pretty damn cool. <laughs>
2: pretty damn cool.
3: <laughs> so he was also, he actually came over before Billy did, um, to the Thunder, before Billy became the head coach of the Thunder. And uh, he's, I'm, I don't know. I don't know. I like him. I know people that are connected to him that really, really like him as a person. So it's great. I think it's a good thing for the organization. So, but still a lot to learn about Mark Dignall, uh in the coming years, really. So, okay, it's time to talk about Chris Paul going to the Suns. Oh, is-
2: so we, we got some uh, some some comments that uh, Gambo Gambo is on the case. He says there's an eighty five percent chance. If you don't know who Gambo is, <laughs> I'm talking about John Gambadoro who is a uh, <laughs> sports talk radio host in Phoenix. And hmm. uh, he apparently gave it an 85% chance of happening. Well, yeah.
0: Gambador is pretty well connected. I mean, he, he rarely, rarely miss. So, and again, I, I think there were talks already in the um, in the winter about OKC and Phoenix exchanging uh, players. Not sure it was Chris Paul or other point guards, but OKC has two very, very good point guards. And I think that it makes sense for a team like Phoenix that can pay a pretty okay price. Because I think that something like Rubio plus Ubre rerouted maybe to some team and a protected first, will do the deal. And it's uh, it's basically a swap between Chris Paul and Kelly Ubre in terms of the most valuable player. And... There is no guarantee that he can retain Ubre uh, in the coming season uh, because it will cost, probably. Um, so I don't think that is a bad idea. Now, if Presti is able to squeeze the number 10, maybe in exchange for number 25, I don't know, that would be ideal. But again, I think that the idea of having Rubio, who is not like a bad player or a bad guy, and, and having like an extra asset for Chris Paul, it's... It's something that is already enough. And, and I think that having a team interested makes all easier for, for Sam. Because if there is another team that was like maybe offering something like, I don't know, Dennis Smith Jr. or whatever, then you you need to raise the bar a little bit. And so I, I think it's interesting, very interesting. And it makes sense uh, for a guy like Chris Paul to, if LA or Miami are really not in place, and Milwaukee is not in place because of assets and unwanted contract uh, by OKC, which is, I think, uh, a very good position to have, then Phoenix has a lot of upside, because if you if you make the playoffs, you already made like a great season and you improve your stock for. For the future for your next contract because he can choose like after this year he can really choose to forgo his player option if there is another contract say that a team like la offers like a three year 60 millions then you may want to to go there like it's in his yeah. power so yeah. and with that i i really have to go and okay. to to get dinner otherwise well i don't want to find out otherwise
3: Yeah. No, go. Thanks for joining for a short time.
1: Appreciate it. Bye guys. See you, McKellie. Bye. All right. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily with 24 seven U S based live customer service from discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime day or night. Yep. You heard that right. courtside seats to an NBA game and more head over to Michelob slash courtside to learn more. Uh, so
3: Alex, what are your, what are your initial thoughts on what the makeup of this sun's trade will be? Cause we haven't, nothing is leaked as far as specific players in the deal. Uh, but I, there's obviously the, the Ubre Rubio foundation of a trade that makes sense. But uh, what what do you expect? Because I I would expect them to have to send more back to Oklahoma City, right?
2: Expecting the Suns to send more back? Yeah. Well, I don't know, because I I think we we had had these hopes of the 10th pick. But we we should mention that John Gambadoro just tweeted, I would not expect the 10th pick in the draft to be a part of any trade for Chris Paul. Can't say never, but from what I'm hearing, Suns would be hard-pressed to give that up in this trade. Suns would use up a lot of cap space and basically have to rely on exceptions to sign players. Yeah. Which I think is totally true. Um, I think the hope from our side is that they're able to create enough of a leverage situation with some other team where the Suns would be forced to eventually give us some type of better asset. But I don't know if uh, if the 10th pick is going to be it. it. Maybe it ends up being something in the future that makes more sense. For the Suns. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. I would...
3: To get an all... I think that you can push them, though. Like, they're getting an all-NBA guy. For... I mean, they essentially get to take their 8-0 roster and just swap Rubio for Chris Paul.
2: Oh, yeah. I mean, wasn't in the bubble. And, and for a team that hasn't made the playoffs in a decade... And who has an owner who really wants to make make the playoffs? I think it makes a ton of sense. And it's not a bad deal for them either. I mean, yeah, Chris Paul arguably would have less of um, like a burden on him than he even had last year. And his burden was already decreased last year. I mean, there right. were so many times when it was Schroeder, SGA, actually initiating the offense. In Phoenix, like... Booker is still going to have a super high usage. And so Chris is going to be even like a better version of himself from last year, I think.
3: Yeah, I think it's a great situation for Chris and for the Suns as well. It doesn't guarantee them a playoff spot, which is the only tough thing about it because the Western Conference is just ridiculous. But I think that they have put the, they'll put themselves in a really good spot to where I think that they can talk themselves into. Well, we could just be Oklahoma City and we're like there will be the five seed. That's what the Thunder
2: were. We could do that. Right. Yeah, no, and I I, I really think they'd have a great shot um, to to be like a surprise team next year, like not just Mm -hmm. competing for the eighth seed at the end of the year. Because in this scenario, we think that the Thunder are going to drop out. So now we're really talking about them versus teams like New Orleans, who may be trading Drew Holiday, one of their veterans, maybe Mm -hmm. signaling a youth movement there. We're talking about the Kings, who I don't think any of us have any faith in. The Spurs, eh. yeah. And then we're talking about the Blazers, who are, are going to be healthier next year, and we expect them to be a playoff team. But yeah, I don't know. I, I I would be very excited for the Suns if they got Chris Paul. I think we might even be underrating how big of an impact Chris Paul could have in that situation.
3: Yeah. Could be true. So if, if they got the 10th pick, who would you want them to take at ten?
2: I still don't have a strong preference for any of these guys. Um, I think that where the Thunder are right now, if they did decide to swing for the fences with a uh, Poku-like pick, (laughs) I'd be totally open to it because the way things are setting up, both with their existing picks and with the Houston news out today, and you could even argue with some of the Clippers news coming out with their interest in Russell Westbrook, like they're – their future continues to look really, really good. And they're at such an early stage of this. If they think there's any chance they could get a future star at 10, I would much rather them take that chance now than just grabbing someone who they think is going to be a solid rotation player going forward.
3: Yeah. Like if Killian Hayes lasted to 10, which is certainly possible.
2: Yeah. Something like that. Super
3: into that. Uh, if a lasted to ten, I'd be very much into that as well. And then if those guys are gone and you're having to d- to choose between like the Aaron Naismiths and Devin Vassell and Kira Lewis Jr. and Precious Atua, like I would probably just take Pokushevsky or even RJ Hampton at that spot uh instead. Like you said, like swing for the fences here. If you miss, yeah, like like who cares? Like it's
2: it's fine. But I think that the yeah, we were,
3: believe in their development.
2: We were joking uh, last night before the trivia show that it seems like Presti always gets really excited with these bad drafts. Because the last yeah. bad draft like this was the Anthony Bennett draft where the Thunder took Steven Adams that Giannis yep. was in. And it was just completely mixed up in terms of like where the actual value was in that draft. And we ended up getting a ton of players from that draft on our team at some yep. point. Mm -hmm. I mean, Oladipo was there. There's a bunch of others. So I do wonder if he's looking at this draft the same way. Is like, maybe I should be even more aggressive from the outset because if I really do identify these guys that I think are worth getting on the team, I should go after them now because the relative cost might be a little bit cheaper than it would be in a normal year instead of Mm -hmm. waiting for these guys to develop on other teams where they're not going to be in your system. So I'm still open to the idea that, OKC might make a move for multiple picks in this draft especially in the first round um, I, I think that's a a strong possibility.
3: Yeah I think that the mindset should be for OKC for a team that like, they do a tremendous amount of scouting. I mean they've watched they've watched all of these guys in person because they're out at the beginning of the, of the college season and during um, the EuroLeague seasons and They've seen all these guys in, in person, I would assume, and they know these guys, and they have talked to a lot of them. And my, my guess is that they don't think of this like, oh, this is a bad draft. They think, what are the opportunities here for the team? What What's the opportunity here to grab the guy? Like, how do we get the Giannis or the Rudy Gobert or whoever the diamond in the rough is with this team? I think that that's, to me, that's the mindset. Is how do we find those because the 13 draft was bad, but it had gems in it too. The 13 drafts, Alex, Alex, I was just saying the 13 draft had gems in it as well. And so the Thunder are searching for those gems, dig into gotta, the sand. Gotta
2: get those gems,
3: finding the gems. Uh, someone in the chat says they saw a report that Phoenix, the Phoenix OKC trade has evolved into including the Clips and Mavs. Thoughts? Oh, four team trade. That's just. To me, that just makes it seem like it's even less likely to happen.
2: (laughs) Yeah, I I mean, the Mavs definitely are looking for all the reports have been that the Mavs are looking for a third star, even though this doesn't seem like the year where it'd be easiest to do that Um, next summer would be a much easier time. So I don't know. I'm I'm skeptical about anything with the Mavs because all the indications are that they have a chance with Giannis if that ends up becoming a reality. And so right. if they make a move where they're taking back long-term money, that kind of signals to me that the Giannis thing isn't happening because I think if yeah. you have any shot at that you have to preserve that cap space,
3: you have to, you have to, okay. I don't have much time left because today's an insanely busy day, but uh, we got to go at least a few minutes on the implosion of the Houston Rockets. What are your, what are your really,
2: I just want to know about your feelings. I don't care about your thoughts. Uh, first of all, you got to give a shout out to Cuffs the Legend on Twitter, (laughs) (laughs) tweeted out that he was going to reveal some spicy Westbrook news in the next 24 to 48 hours. Never did it. Never did it. But but we did get some spicy news eventually. Yep. And uh, I don't know what to think about this, because if you read the actual report, It says that Harden and Russ were on board with the hiring of Steven Silas. So it doesn't seem to be about the coach necessarily. They still like each other. There doesn't seem to be any rift between James Harden and Russell Westbrook. All of this seems to be coming from the fact that just the overall turnover with the organization, both with the GM, who we've talked about before, Daryl Morey is more closely linked to James Harden and his success than any other person in the league him leaving James Harden, abandoning him. You have mm-hmm. the o- all the issues with the owner that we know. You have a new GM. You have a new coach. All of that upheaval and roster turnover, Like I totally get where Harden and Westbrook are coming from. But it seems that they haven't necessarily demanded a trade yet. It's more just they're um, unhappy with the uncertainty of the team's immediate future. I feel like that's the exact wording of, of the reports. But I feel like where this is headed, or well, we all know where it's headed. It's a question of whether it happens this year, during this season, or after next season. Because all of us agree that we do not think the Rockets, as currently constructed, are going to be championship contenders next year. Definitely not. We think they'll, at best, be kind of that next tier down. Maybe they make, or they probably make the second round. Maybe they make a conference finals, but that would be the extent of it. That yeah. is going to be a disappointment to James Harden at this point. So knowing that, if he hasn't requested a trade now, it kind of doesn't matter because it seems like this is all setting up for him to request a trade at some point. The interesting part is if it happens during the season, which could is entirely possible because of the way this yeah. season is going to be constructed, what if that happens and he requests that trade in season? It would be the absolute best scenario for the Thunder because – the Rockets won't become a bottom four team automatically. They're going to get a haul back for James Harden if they ever decide to trade him, but they are going to get significantly worse and would probably still miss the playoffs, which means that pick next year would be valuable. It could potentially be like a late lottery pick or maybe even a little bit better, but would have less risk to jump up into that top four. So Mm -hmm. I think it's setting up perfect for the Thunder right now.
3: It's great. I'm going to read the sentence of the day from this article. And uh, credit to Woj or Tim McMahon or whoever wrote it. It's a great sentence. Although neither player has requested a trade at this point, that scenario has become a plausible
2: eventual possibility. And this goes back to Daryl Morey putting out that leak that uh, the 76ers were going to be aggressive in trading for James Harden, even though there was no reports at that (laughs) point that James Harden had requested a trade or that anything was wrong. Until that report came out, it's like, yeah, Daryl Morey knows, like he he oh, has he been knows. close to James Harden this whole time. There's a reason why he would make that leak. And then you get the reports about the Knicks or the Clippers wanting Russell Westbrook. And again, like the Clippers trading for Russell Westbrook, I think long term is a really good thing for the Thunder as well, oh, dude. Because again, yeah. if they fail again next year, didn't make it out of the second round this year. If they failed again next year. Now you have Kawhi and PG as free agents. They're going to be coming off the season where they're supposed to create the super team over these past two years. Hasn't gotten them anywhere. All hypothetical. Maybe they win next year. Okay. (laughs) But in this scenario where they don't win, like what are those guys going to do? Because at that point, if that happened in this scenario where the Clippers do not win next year, I guarantee you that Westbrook's trade value is going to be even lower than it is right now because he's still going to have two years left on that deal. So, that sets up a scenario where Kawhi and Or PG could just leave the Clippers. Oh, yeah. For greener pastures.
3: Uh, for sure. Yeah, if the Clippers trade for Russell Westbrook, I I I think that we might see Sam Presti and Mark Degnalt giggle a little bit more than they just did when they were talking about Springsteen in the press conference.
2: Oh, man, some some classic Springsteen banter. You should have seen
3: it. You should have seen it was it was hilarious watching them talk about springsteen together because it was I watched the
2: whole thing I, are I'm you watching that, okay yeah i'm glad that jenny asked that question because it was like the first time that they kind of loosened up yeah oh it was
3: so funny she yeah she asked it and he she throws they didn't they were like bouncing it back and forth who was going to talk about springsteen first <laughs> and then and then um Whenever Sam started talking about Bruce Springsteen, the face and the, just like the giggle that started in with Mark Dechnall <laughs> was so funny. Oh, it was so good. And it, it was great. Also, I would uh, just encourage you to go listen to the song of the day from The Boss. Land of Hope and Dreams is the uh, the song of the day from Mark from Mark Degnalt. So, and also, it's Mark Degnalt. If you watch the presser, you heard Sam Presti said it, say it was Mark Dagnalt. Uh, in the press release, in the media guide, it's Mark Degnalt. Like Degnalt. Like, go and look at uh, Brett Dawson's tweet. That's. I'm pretty sure that's how you say it. So, this may be an Abrinus, a brin-ish situation that we have on our hands here.
2: Just gotta call him Mark.
3: Just call him Mark. Just call him Mark. Uh, thanks so much for listening. We'll cut this one short today because it's an incredibly busy day for me, but we appreciate you guys listening. We will have that trivia pod posted at some point, uh, but right now we're kind of in the midst of uh, some turbulent thunder news. So we're going to we'll, we'll can that for now, but I hope you guys have a great rest of your day and we will talk to you guys again on Friday.